0: Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to Transform Your Life with Kelly and Lisa. We've been talking before the show about clutter and how there is a difference between clutter and filth, for lack of a better word. So we're going to start there and see where we end up. On today's show I, In in my mind There's a very big difference Between having stacks of stuff um, I'm a I'm a big book person So if you walk into my office There are literally bookshelves Crammed with books And then there's a table In the middle of the room That is, has stacks of books on it And uh, my desk um, Has got stacks Not necessarily of books But of projects I'm working on and in my mind that is just who i am that is not filthy but i have had people walk into my office and go oh my god there's stuff everywhere you should you should clean this up and i'm looking at it going i don't see dust i don't you know i don't see dirt i don't see you know tumbleweeds of dog fur rolling across the room or anything so in my mind it's clean so That's kind of where we're starting today. What do you think, Lisa? I know we were just talking about people who would rather eat standing up around a counter, even when there is a perfectly good table. So I think individual preference comes into a lot of this.
1: I, you know, I agree with you on that, but there's a difference between, you know, being organized in your chaos and just being downright. Filthy.
0: Chaotic, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you is. know, I don't like clutter. I don't like to look at my desk area and see it covered the way that it is. I, I don't. It drives me absolutely crazy. But in the same time, I can work with it. And so um, that that's kind of where I stand. You know, I have piles of stuff in my house. It's not, it's not perfect yet, but that just means I have too much crap. If I don't have enough space for my stuff, then that means I have too much of it. And that's, that's kind of my right. take on it. So I've slowly started working through um, getting rid of the things that I don't need. That if, if they've right. been in a box that I needed to unpack two years ago, I <laughs> probably don't need what's in that box, and I probably don't need to open right. that box, you know, just take it straight to wherever. Uh, that, that's my feeling with it, because I am organized in my chaos. I can tell you where right. everything is, right. and it's usually like paperwork or important things, like yes, the current book or, you know, a project that I'm working on or, like, where my divorce documents might be located or, you know, things along those lines. That is where my organized chaos, where I exceed, I exceed. It's the junk that isn't, that isn't important that can be taken out of my home. I, I think that's my separation with it.
0: Well, I think, too, um, you know, like I, I mentioned my desk, there's stacks of stuff everywhere. But when I'm done with a project, it does get filed and put away. So I think, too, you have to kind of realize that if you walk into someone's office and what I would thought of when you were talking with my tax guy, my poor tax guy during tax season, you walk into his office and you can barely find him because he has stacks of, of paperwork everywhere. And I have had people that have said that they're not going to use him anymore because he is so disorganized. And I walk into his office and and he's he's, grabbing things off of a pile. He goes, oh, you're here, okay. And he goes exactly where my file is, and he grabs exactly my file, and he knows exactly where everything is. And to me, that's not disorganization. That is probably a little bit of overwhelm, you know, looking at stacks of stuff all the time. But I, I think if, there's, if you can find what you're working on, in my mind, it's nobody else's business. If it doesn't impede you, go for it. Um, I know people who are OCD, very, very meticulous, very, very clean, organized. Nothing is left on their desk at any time. Uh, they, if they're working on something, they pull it out of a drawer and work on it and then put it back in the drawer. I've never been that person. Um, even even before I had businesses, even as a child, I was never that person. I Normally, the way my brain works, I work on three or four things at, at a time anyway. So I I think there's a difference. One thing that I kind of want to bring up, because we both kind of do animal rescue in our own ways, is the difference between somebody who does rescue and a hoarder. And that's always a really volatile topic for people because, you know, they're saying, well, this person has kept dogs out of the, the shelter or cats out of the shelter or geese out of the shelter, whatever it is that they're doing. And yet, when you go to their house, the animals probably would have been better off in the shelter. So what do you think about that? Because I know I post a lot of animal type posts, and I have had that, I've had that question asked. Uh, Someone actually asked on a post the other day that I did, um, well, do you do animal rescue or are you animal hoarder? And my response was, I have, I have three dogs that are my dogs. I have, I'm up to five cats that are my cats. And then I have a horse and a giant tortoise. Those are my animals. I do have, you know, others right now that are in the process of looking for homes. But generally, my rescue animals don't stay in my house longer than six months. I think the longest anyone has ever stayed here was eight months. So what do you think about that? that line of thinking that, you know, it's, it's okay if they're keeping them out of the shelter. Because that's a different kind of clutter. That's, that's a, that is a clutter, though. It, it clutters up your life. And if you're taking care of more than you can really realistically take care of, isn't that kind of the same thing as having stacks of paper everywhere, only you have to feed them?
1: Yes. I, I think so.
0: I'm, you know, I'm, it's in my mind. In my mind, it's the same.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, if if the majority of your day for for me, I have a lot of animals. Quite a few of them are caged, and. So they don't require <laughs> to daily walk and things along those lines. Um, they probably need to be, ha- you know, to be held a little bit more or whatever. Um, they're, they're snakes, so like, they're not mine. But uh, you know, one, one of my animals roams free in my backyard. I have a, a tortoise out in my backyard that just roams around. And, but, you know, the animals that I have, I have the space for them. I have the yard space right. for them to all, I, you know, four dogs, three of them are very small. So they, like, make up – the three of them don't even make up a large dog. It's together, the three of them <laughs> probably don't even weigh 30 pounds, you know. So they're, they're, there's space for them. There's space for them to all have their own spot in the backyard. But the, the, right now I have three cats, and I, there's, there's four kittens up there. One is, is going – has its forever home, and I'm working with the, getting the other three their forever home. And, you know, so right now I have way too many cats in my house, but the three that I do have um, are, they all have their own space. And every one of my dogs except for, or every one of the animals except for one dog came, came off of the street. The so literal, when my right. son was walking down the street and brought this cat home because it was almost dead. And, uh, you know, so only one came from the shelter, but they're all rescue animals. We have the space. We have the means. It drives me nuts when I walk downstairs and I see that they went to the bathroom on my floor as opposed to, you know, waiting for me to open the door to get them out out back. But we have, you know, we have the means to to give them a decent life here, you know, um, anymore. And I think you would have to call somebody on me because I think, (laughs) <laughs> that be too much, but, um, yeah, I told my kids, no more animals. I don't care. You know, maybe a goldfish, but, like, seriously, no more animals. And so at one time we had 16, and, and of course, like, they weren't all fur. They were lizards and, you know, things along those lines. So um, the care was a little bit different, and, you know, I didn't have to take them outside right. every day three times a day. I didn't right. have to feed them, you know, all the time. I didn't have to look, look at them begging at me for food, <laughs> but no, I think there's, um, I think there's a difference. And, yeah.
0: Well, it, it's different too when, um, you know, your your dogs aren't living in cages and your cats aren't living in cages. And, you know, one of the situations that we recently had in the area I live in was a woman who has, been, uh, she's actually won awards for animal rescue in um, the state that I live in. And we finally realized that, because I, I, raised, I do a lot of fundraising for different uh, nonprofits here, we finally realized that the animals she was taking out of the shelter weren't going to homes. She was taking them out of the shelter, taking them home with her and putting them in a cage. So over the last 10 years that I know of, this woman who people have said, oh, I wish we had 20 of you, this is wonderful, has really not been, she's been a hoarder. She hasn't been really rescuing anything because really what is the difference between having an animal in a cage at a shelter, especially if it's a no-kill shelter, or having an animal in a cage in a private home. There's really no difference. So that that's kind of why I brought up hoarding, because this was someone who was really held up as a pillar of society and to come find out that, you know, she probably started out. And I think I do believe every hoarder, every animal hoarding situation, starts out with the very best of intentions. Right. I know at one time many years ago, I... <laughs> I was silly enough to think I could make money with owning a pet store. And, um, you know, I ended up with 15 iguanas because people would get them when they were little and and cute. And, and then when they were, you know, growing up or they had health issues, they would bring them back to the pet store. And I literally had an, a big, huge screened-in area in my backyard. Well, it was originally a gazebo for people, but it turned into a giant iguana habitat because you know people were bringing them back to the pet store and I would just take them home and some one of my friends finally said okay we have to talk about your iguana addiction you know because it was it was out of hand so I know how you start you can start out with the best of intentions and it just kind of gets away from you so I think I think really animal hoarders in particular it's sort of a Need to be loved, and they fulfill that through animals. But um, you know, it, it was it was a bizarre situation. When I think back now, it's like I gave up my gazebo to iguanas. What was I thinking? <laughs> Seriously, what was I thinking? But um, you know, the best of intentions. It kind of you can you can talk about closets with the best of intentions. How many of us have closets full of clothes? Or dressers full of clothing we can't wear, and you always think, oh well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that to Goodwill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh huh. I I know I have a box right now that's been sitting in the bottom of my closet filled with clay. It's already full. I just need to put it in my car and take it, uh, and I haven't done it. It's probably been there for a month now. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of areas we can all improve on, I think. I <laughs>
1: took a, three huge bags of books to a bookstore that buys your books, and I, there was a lot of books. I'm sure some of them I only may have gotten a <laughs> quarter for, and some of them I might, might not have gotten anything because they didn't give me like an itemization of um, how much each of the books were worth. But I was like, you know what, if it means I don't have to take them back home, And I don't have to try and put them on eBay or Amazon or whatever other type of sell your stuff through this app program that if I can just get them (laughs) out of my house, I am okay with that. So I will take the little bit amount of money that you're offering me right now so that I don't have to deal with Right. Because they're going to sit (laughs) there until I figure out what I want to do with them, you know? So it's like, no, just take them, yes. Give me my $68. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know,
0: I have so many books. I, I have so many books that when I ran out of bookcases, I built a whole other room to house more books. So, you know, but most of my books are books that I go, I don't read fiction. I read nonfiction. I read Um, you know, a lot of business books and marketing books and those kinds of books. So I normally keep them and I go back and refer back to them from time to time. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of a weird thing that I have. I have this obsession with with reference books, but um, I have known people who have had, you know, 8,000, I think she said she had 8,000 fiction books you know, absolutely, you know, like romance novels and that kind of stuff. And I asked, why are you ever going to reread those? No. Well, then why don't you take them and donate them? Oh, but they're my books. <laughs> and it's like, yes, I understand. And I, I have the same love for books. But, you know, if it's not something you're going to use again, if it's not something you're going to refer back to, um, it is time to give it away. And I know I give books away all the time, but I have so many that – um you know and i have been prohibited from entering bookstores by many of my friends because i i, I can't do it i can't just walk past a bookstore i can't i you know, that's that's my weakness every time but uh, you know we we do that we have all kinds of <laughs> we have all kinds of clutter in our lives and everybody has something different so you know i guess Really, if you're one of those people that is terribly OCD and everything must be in its place and has to be, you know, nothing can be on the countertop, um, I I might need to post a warning sign on my front door for you because that's um, not my house. But we were talking earlier about eating around the counter, and I I do that. And there, I have a, a, a nice dining room table, and there's usually nothing on my dining room table uh, because I have a cat that knocks everything you put on and off. But um, <laughs> what do you, maybe I have an OCD cat. I hadn't considered that. Um, what do you think that's about, hilarious. what's behind that? What, what What do you think about that? Because that's kind of a joke among my friends is, you know, I have one friend that insists on eating over the kitchen sink. Uh-huh. What What's up with that? Yeah.
1: For us, it was when I first moved into this house, um, it was just me and my best friend and her children and my children, so we, she moved out, I had a lot of parties, I don't mean like, woo, let's do bad things parties, I had a lot of friends come over with their children, I had a pool in the backyard, and and my friends would come over with their children, we would barbecue, barbecue. you know, the kids would swim, we'd sit around and have a good time. And a lot of times the kids would be outside and the food would be at the counter and we would just stand around the kitchen counter and eat the food. And so it kind of just trickled over. So I'm pretty sure when I first moved in, at least the kids sat at the table. um, Right. While the, you know, my best friend and I wouldn't. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure at that time that, but that's what happened. But I think it just kind of filtered over from that, and, and it just became something that we do. We just eat around the kitchen counter. My mom is here right now. <laughs> I know she's listening to the show because every once in a while I hear the show in 3D. She She's like, you really need to get your table cleaned off. So that we can eat around the table. And I did get it cleaned off, and we still ate around the kitchen counter. Like, that's just something, yeah. that's what we do. And, and you know, I, it's just, I really think it comes from that's where the food was at the parties uh, when we had the barbecues and whatnot. And, and, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. (laughs) But that's what we do. And and nobody complains, you know. Well, okay, nobody in my family. Well, I know.
0: I I do that, too. I I do that, too. That's why I asked, because it seems like there are certain people who just really – would rather stand up and eat, but even, even if, you know, like on the, when we we're doing these shows, like, you know, like now I stand up and walk around and I know in the past you've said that as well. So it's, it's kind of, um, I, I think it, it goes back to that movement thing. You know, it's, I think better if I'm moving. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons I don't mind driving to Texas as often as I do, because that long drive, that movement, helps me think. It helps me clear my head. And I, I, My personal opinion is that's why people like to eat standing up. It's, even if you're just standing there, you tend to kind of move. Even if you're just swaying your weight from one foot to the other, you do kind of have that movement when you're standing up and eating.
1: You know, we that's have a couple uh, of chairs. I, ha- I have a peninsula in my kitchen, and so it's not a... It, there's no place for a bar, like, to put stools under but we do have a couple of chairs on the back side so you know there is an opportunity for people to sit if they want it's just that we're at the kitchen you know we're at the counter around the peninsula right and there's no designated area to put a chair to slide your feet under so it's just you know it's right I, I think you're right with the movement I'm locking my floor right now <laughs> 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 I don't if I sit Still, the conversation is not as good from my end, so... Uh, right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, someone told me when I first started doing radio, before internet radio, when I was doing real radio, um, back in the dark ages when we did such things, they told me, you know, it, it helps if you stand up. And when you see video broadcasts of radio people, half the time they'll be standing up and half the time they'll be sitting down. But... um when I asked around, they said if the video is off, they stand up. They're sitting down to be on the in frame for the video. But that's you know that's an old trick because you breathe deeper when you're standing than if you're sitting, so your voice is clearer and you generally enunciate better. So that was just a. Uh, just an odd thing, an odd bit of knowledge I have picked up over the years.
1: <laughs> well, they have desks now where they are angled so you can sit or stand. And when I was going to art school, the probably biggest mistake of my life, if there is such a thing, um, <laughs> the desk... It was a learning experience. The tables, <laughs> it was. The, the tables were... High. So, they're not low desks, and, and I would be able to stand right. and sit. And it just made sense. I know uh, someone that I know that does design, she's an AutoCAD designer person. She, they, you know, they have the drafting table that can angle, so they right. can stand and reach you know, the top of the drawing better and whatnot. And they are now incorporating that into non designer uh, tables for people. So, you know, it makes sense that to stand up and to, to move around, I don't think humans were designed to sit in a chair for eight hours a day. So it for me it
0: just it's it's that
1: mobility, the not being tied into one area is so very important.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, well I think I think it is as well. Um One of the things, somebody just messaged me here. What about the people that clutter our lives? Um, that's that's an interesting, that's, yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, Thanks, Kim. Um, it's, um, yeah, we do. We do pick up people that really are more distractions than, you know, than, than people, um, you know than they should be i i I don't know really i hate to refer to people as clutter but then again how many people do we pick up in our you know as we go through our lives that really you know they're they're nice enough and they're okay but they don't really fit in with what you're doing or where you're going so what do you think about that i know you have to think something about it
1: I think one of the best things that ever happened to me was one of my ex-husbands unfriending me on Facebook this past weekend, (laughs) and now I don't have to worry. I'm honest. I'm being straight honest. You know, we came to a point where we can be cordial with each other, but that's Mm going to be the extent of... The relationship, if, and I don't mean that in a romantic way, just relationship period. And I'm always afraid to use the term relationship with my ex-husband because I don't want somebody taking it out of context. But we, um, we, <laughs> we had an interesting weekend this past weekend, and so the... It is so funny. My mom just opened the door, and I'm hearing the feedback from the show. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm hearing myself talk. That's so weird. So, you know, the the situation, it it, it worked out. And for us, for me to no longer feel like I have to be friends with him actually was a blessing um, that I didn't foresee. Really, when I discovered that he had unfriended me on Facebook, because, the, like I said, it was just a crazy situation this past weekend. When I had seen that, I actually, like, breathed a sigh of relief. And I felt just a right. small burden come off of my shoulders. Because now I can stand in my power and be more forthcoming for the sake of my daughter. And I don't have to worry right. about rocking the boat or upsetting him as my friend. So... Right. As much as I don't, I, I, people clutter your life, but I think it's more so that the the burden of the what you're trying to work yourself through emotionally. Uh, do I let them go? But I don't want to hurt their feelings. But then who you know, who am I going to hang out with? Like that whole process. That's the clutter. You're you're cluttering up your mind, worrying about something that you know, you need to do, I don't want to say that doesn't matter, that's not important because it sucks, you know, after having somebody in your life for so long to just cut the ties. But, you know, man, sometimes that breath of fresh air is just amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. And and sometimes we really have to realize when it's time to clear out, you know, the, the people clutter Um, I think a lot of times we just let things ride with people, particularly if it's an old relationship that you've really outgrown. There's one, you know, school of thought that says, oh, you should be friends with all your exes. And then there's another one that questions, have you met my ex? You know, because (laughs) some of those people, in spite of our best intentions, we will never really be able to, friends with because they're just on such a different level. There's just a different vibrational frequency. Um, So yeah, I know about a year, year and a half ago, I went through and, and cleared out a lot of clutter people from my life and they were people who weren't really moving forward, weren't really positive people. They were just kind of the typical Debbie Downer types and I found that While they're fine at arm's length, they don't really belong in my day-to-day life. And I think um, too often we kind of just, oh well, yeah, I met them, so they're in my life forever. When that's not really the the case. Um, Right.
1: I totally agree.
0: (laughs) So how do you know when it's time to clean your your people closet? It's
1: your question. How many chances do you give people in your life?
0: They probably don't exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean,
1: if you're questioning. If that's the first <laughs> sign. If you get to the point where you're questioning if somebody needs to be in your life, they probably don't. And <laughs> you know, but what what about before you get to that point? That um, you know, you have to gauge your emotions when you're around them. You have to gauge how they make you feel. Do they bring you up, or do you find that they're bringing you down? Um, right. And you don't necessarily have to cut them out completely. I mean, I still have friends who I might see every couple of years or I might chat with every right. once in a while that they're not bad people. We just don't. Right, right. The, the paths are different. So it's not something that, you know, we're, we're not getting together all of the time like we used to, but it's just because paths you know, went separate ways, and it's not that they're bad people, but, you know, I don't see them as much as I used to see them.
0: I think that's a really important point for a lot of people because, you know, if you've lived in many of us, many, many people, in fact, most people that I'm friends with today have lived in many, many, many different locations um, all around the world, actually. And you, you meet friends, you, you, ha- you form connections with people, no matter where you go, you're, you're having some kind of a connection with someone, and then you move again. And you, it's what happens to those people you were really close to. <laughs> they don't just you know go away, and they don't move with you generally. Although I had that happen once. Um, so how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you determine who needs to stay and who who you can let go of? Um, I know I have wonderful, wonderful friends, and I've had for 30 years, and uh, I see them, you know, maybe once a year, and yet they're still, I'm still very close to them. We talk all the time, but they're not in my day-to-day life anymore, and yet I'm closer to them than some people who do see me every day. So I think when you're looking at, you know, I, I think generally, People are making their inner circles, their number of friends. I'm seeing people have fewer friends, but maybe they're better friends. Um, It's a stronger connection where I know when I grew up, the number of friends I had was like everything to me. It was like, oh, my God, I'm down to five friends. I have to go out and meet more people. I mean, it it was crazy. And yet I realized, and that's part of growing up, I think, I realized that some of these people that I thought were my friends really weren't my friends. Right. So if you're if you're one of those social butterfly types that tries to make every person you ever meet in your life your best friend, you might want to take a step back and be your own best friend. I know that's what I found with myself is uh, once I realized who I was, um, you know, then then it was like, oh, you know what? I really don't have as much in common with that person as I thought I did. Okay, um, but that's that I, comes, I think, with knowing yourself?
1: I think for a lot of people, it's, you know, I love to know a lot of people, but I don't want to know right. a lot of people. You know, right do a hundred different people calling me with their problems. Not that I wouldn't listen if they <laughs> did, because that's just the kind right. of person that I am, but, you know, there is... For business people, I'm coming from a business perspective, you know, we have to be friends with people. We have to have right. like an outer circle that, you know, where people like us and they, you know, want to develop a relationship with us so we can do business together or whatever. That, that's important for business people. And that doesn't mean you have to let the bad ones in. If there's no, if you don't feel it, then you don't have to do business with those people. Um but the, the concept of, you know, I, I love to go to a place and meet a bunch of people, but there's only about four people right. who get a phone call from me on a regular basis, you know. And right. that's, that's how I like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I think um, more and more and more people are realizing that it's, it really is a lot better on a number of levels to be to have really close friendships with a few people rather than trying to share everything with everyone because really you know it, it, that just is wow, wow. no uh uh-uh. uh well, you know you mentioned business and I, I want to ask because I know someone pointed it out to me the other day do you take on kind of a little bit different personality when you're conducting business rather than when you're out with your friends because I've I've been doing business with a friend, and this person pointed out to me, oh, I can tell you've shifted into business mode because, you know, you're of, of the way you're talking. Do you do that? I, I did that subconsciously. I never realized I did that until it was pointed out to me. I'm just wondering if everybody does that.
1: So interesting that I have a story for this one, too. I was at a networking <laughs> meeting last week, and I had met up, somebody was there, that I have known from the past, a year ago or so, and we fell, I guess, saying we fell apart or fell our separate ways isn't the way, we ended up going in different directions than what we originally thought we were going to do, and so I, I saw a little bit of communication through Facebook, not necessarily with me, but just like through her own personal stuff that she was posting, and she ended up going to this, Meeting that I went to this get together last week. Um, at first, it was kind of I was kind of nervous, and because I hadn't seen her in a in a while, but I have noticed that I was totally different in networking meetings or events or business functioning functionings. Uh, functionings. <laughs> Business function. <laughs> business function in
0: English, yes. <laughs>
1: than I was on the radio or, you know, just with the people that I know. And I, sometimes I even notice this is what I'm communicating with you and Leah about a project that when are we going to get to tell everybody about this project?
0: And I know. I, I
1: even see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see sometimes that there's this communication that's kind of, you know, a little, not as fun and airy as I would like to always be. But at this meeting, I decided that I was going to be more of who I am and not worry if they don't like my joke or if I laugh at the wrong thing because I think it's funny. So do I care if you think it's funny? If I think it's funny, that's all that matters, you know? So it was a much better networking time than I had 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 experience with the same group of women in the past. So, and and even this person that I was referring to in the beginning, even she was totally different. It was so awesome. (laughs) It was so nice (laughs) to see her, you know, a little more relaxed and a little more, casual, and, you know, we were sitting together, and we were laughing and having a great time, and, and she even referenced her changes, and I was like, you know, this is awesome. I love seeing this in you, and so we actually were even able to talk about it, and I didn't feel like I was walking on eggshells or trying to present myself properly to each person that I met. I didn't, I stopped worrying about that, but yeah, I've noticed that, too, and, and I'm trying to really wrap back around to if who I am doesn't vibe with you, then we really don't need to, we don't need to worry about that because there are 7 billion people on this planet. And right. Somebody right. out there is going to vibe with me. So I don't need to worry about making everyone vibe with me.
0: Right. And I think it's different at a networking event to, um, than in a day-to-day business transaction, I get, it depends on your business because like on the show, we are completely whoever you know who we are, and that's you know. And at networking functions, I think it's okay to to loosen up, and certainly we should all try to do that. I'm working on that because I tend to go, and it depends on the networking function. If it's just like a women in business kind of thing, then I am more relaxed. But if it is a a real estate thing or a publishing meeting, I, I tend to be a lot more um, business like. And when this verse person who knows me well pointed that out, I was kind of, whoa, really? I do that? Wow, who knew? But, um, yeah, it's just something to to be conscious of. And, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that story because I know there's probably, you know, <laughs> hundreds of women in business who have experienced something similar. It, it's just we, we tend to go into these networking things or, or business meetings with that you know that word business hanging out there like we're supposed to take everything seriously and yeah there's definitely a time for that but there's also a time to just kind of make those connections because if we're not making those connections there's really no point in taking the time to go to those functions really you know and if you're a straight business all the time you're not making those connections
1: Right. And, you know, and I agree. And I think a lot of it comes from I need to make connections so I can make a sale. I need to make connections so I can make a sale. Right. And, and there's, you, you hear so much of you have to build relationships and it takes six points of contact before somebody buys and like all this stuff that you have floating around in your head. And you're like, I need to make money. I need to pay my bills. I need to eat. And so you're trying to connect with everyone and, it's, yeah, that, I think that sense of lack. I'm sitting still, so my brain is foggy. Let me get up and move around. <laughs> so like the sense of, you know, coming from a place of money, the sense of, of lack or whatever the case may be, I think really is more so than just being accepted. Yes, we want to be accepted, but why are we wanting to be accepted right now? We're wanting to be accepted right, because we right. want somebody to buy our product or purchase our program or whatever in the case may be. So we try to be who we think that person wants us to be instead of just being ourselves. Do you notice how much less foggy my brain is since I stood up? Um, so I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I, I really think that has a whole lot to do with it. Is Why do you feel the need to be accepted? What is that underlying aspect? You know, for me it right. was I want to sell all of these sprinkles on my table. I need to make, I need to sell this amount and book this many parties and do this and that and the other so that I can make the money back that I spent on this table to be here to display my product and to heck with building relationships. I just want to make money. And I'll make relationships in the process, but I just need to make the money. So we're right. very frustrated. I,
0: I think well yeah, and that is very frustrating. I think that's really, really common because um you know, so many people go into a business only to make the money and I know I've done that myself and you you, you know it's all about the money, the money, the money, the money and then you end up driving yourself a little goofy because, you know, it's, it's all about the money. And I think when, we, when you take a step back and look at why are you in that business, because if you're going into any business, it has to resonate with your heart and soul. It has to be something you're passionate about or you can become passionate about, or it's not going to be fun. And if it's not fun, you're going to give up when things get hard, and they always do in business. Um, and so i think you're you're keeping it more lighthearted during a networking function really feeds that whole positive let's make this fun momentum because you can't it can't be all about the money it's got to be about the passion first because if you're doing something you're passionate about you're going to care enough to make the money and that's kind of kind of the way that goes i've learned that the hard way i have bought and sold and started and built and sold so many different businesses that I went into because I thought, oh, well, this is going to be a great profitable business. <laughs> and I sold it because it wasn't something I liked to do. <laughs> and to bring that back around to where we started, that those things clutter our minds. You know, they really do. We have a lot of different thoughts from moment to moment especially if you're in business of any kind and that's kind of cluttering your thoughts you know like my subconscious thing about I need to be business like in in these meetings and you know that's not necessarily the case kind of a a clutter of thoughts that I need to kind of clean out from my own thinking and I think we all do that What do you think? I know we've talked about, we talk about mindset all the time. We talked about law of attraction and how your thoughts create things which create your life. But um, I don't know that we've talked about your thoughts being a form of clutter before. Another way of looking at clutter. I think we've lost Lisa. Maybe, but um we're gonna leave it there. We've apparently had some um some technical difficulties here she's back. Are you back? Ah, there. Are my you back? My phone
1: totally dropped the call. I am. My phone just totally dropped the call. And then I'm all talking to you, and you're just talking and talking and talking. I was like, unmute my phone. <laughs> yeah, because I
0: couldn't hear you at all. And I was I was clicking the little microphone button, and it wasn't connecting. So, hi. What do you think hi. about that clutter in your in your thoughts? Are your thoughts being cluttered? Let me go
1: back cluttered? real quick. Let me go back to the... the business aspect because it kind of ties into the whole mindset as well you know I you were talking about starting and stopping so many businesses because of passion or lack thereof and I've been into several businesses as well that while I liked the product or I thought it was cool or I knew that I could do it in you know and grow a team or whatever the case may be the there was no spin whatsoever that I could put on it. But I can help other women enrich their lives. There was nothing that I could right. do to put a spin on it to make that right for me. Now right. I've done a soul-searching journey, if you will, and what I'm doing now really aligns with my passions of travel and writing and helping people, like really helping people. It's not just saying, hey, this product will help you. It's, it's a much deeper connection with being able to help people. And stuff. And I'm not knocking anybody that does this. It just wasn't for me. But y'all are wonderful right. if you do it and have built teams. It's amazing, you know, and that's awesome. Please don't take that the wrong way. But right, right. my mindset, no matter how much I tried to work on spinning it, it just, I, could, I couldn't overcome it. It wasn't something that I was supposed to do. So you have to be careful with how you're trying to change your mind as well because you might not be changing it in the right direction.
0: Right, right.
1: That's how that all tied together. Right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's, that's very true. You have to really, especially if you're looking at some kind of an entrepreneurial venture, you have to really – be aware of yourself and who you are, and I know that sounds silly because people always tell me, "Well, I know myself, of course, I mean well, no, maybe you really don't and there are so many thoughts that clutter our thinking, you know it's um it could even be something that somebody said to you in you know fifth grade or whatever that we hold on to, and it becomes clutter, and it's not serving us, and we need to let that go so Sort of um, clean out the clutter in your mind, as well as you know, in, in other aspects of your life.
1: Right. So, absolutely agree.
0: It's uh, interesting how everything relates to everything else. And one thing that I noticed from a, a coaching client years ago was um, she had a room in her house that was filled with recyclable containers that she had taken from her mother's home when her mother had passed away. And her mother had saved these things, so she had saved them as well and put them in a spare bedroom where, in my mind, they must have multiplied because nobody could have ever imagined <laughs> such a. and I'm not talking about like Tupperware containers that you would buy for the purpose of storing things – I'm talking about recyclable food containers from restaurants. Oh, okay. You know, those to go containers. And she kept she came to me with why is my business not working? Why is my business not working? And we went through the well, are you passionate about it? What do you really want to do? You know, can you see yourself doing this forever? And and she was like, Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> I asked her about her working environment. And she said, well, I don't have an office. And I said, well, do you have room in your, in your house, maybe even a corner? And she said, well, I have a spare bedroom. I said, well, beautiful, turn that into an office. And she said, oh, I can't. And I said, why? And she said, well, my mother's things are in there. And I said, okay, is this like, and I'm thinking her mother's things, like family heirlooms, furniture, maybe. And I went over to her house, and it was to-go containers were what was taking up the space. And that was just clutter, pure and simple. That's just clutter. It wasn't serving any purpose. Uh, And a funny thing happened when she got rid of those containers. She finished her grief cycle because she had been stuck holding on to these containers, this garbage, because they were her mom's. So when she got rid of those, she released all of that. and, And she was able to progress through her grief. And then her business started picking up. So that is the biggest example I have ever encountered about how getting rid of clutter really did transform someone's life. And we're not talking about my desk is stacked full of papers from four different projects I'm working on right now. We're talking about that was garbage this woman was holding on to. I wanted to save that story for the end of the show, and I think we're about there. So really look at your surroundings. You know, if if it's organized in your mind, then that's fine. But if you find yourself looking for things and you can't find things and you don't have a designated place to put things, maybe you do need to look at decluttering your life. Um, Look at the people you associate with. Maybe you need to declutter them as well. And when you're doing all of that, don't forget to declutter the thoughts that that take up so much of our time. We're always talking to ourselves. And personally, I can tell you probably about three quarters of what I say to myself is clutter, really, when I come down to it. Because the way my brain works is I'm always coming up with business ideas. And, you know, uh, many, 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 many of them are just not something I'm ever going to do. So I think that's our show. What do you think, Lisa? Any parting words?
1: I think that was a great one.
0: I think we're good. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Um, I wasn't sure when we started the show where we were going to go with it, and I'm always shocked and amazed at, at how we end up kind of making a full circle and tie it back into where we started. So thank you guys for listening as always. Have a beautiful day. Bye, guys. Bye,
1: everyone.